everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Spice Boy. Uh, like one of the Spice Girls, then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. H, I just... So I was r- sort of rushing to eat dinner. I We ordered Mexican food, and I was not really paying attention to uh, the the plethora of things put out before me. And so I put all over my fajitas, what I thought was um, maybe a mild tomatoey salsa. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, I think it's some sort of habanero ooh, uh, spice sauce. <laughs> so I'm, I've got some combination of like a, a numb tongue and a little sweat going on right now. Um, even though it, it's cool and stormy here in, uh, in Denver. And usually it's not until, you know, we lay out our first idea that our tongues start getting numb and we start really sweating yeah, that's under right. the pressure. Right, right. It was, well, you know what? I didn't even think about that. It could be the anticipation of coming and doing a game. That's right. We've taken a couple weeks off of recording. Um, you know, we're, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, not a hiatus. So it's a well-earned vacation. <laughs> it wasn't a Yoko Ono breaking up the band or anything like that. We're yeah. uh, we're just fine. <laughs> we decided we didn't really like each other after all. The feud did uh, boil over. <laughs> it took over. about two years to really <laughs> solidify that, you know what, it's just not working out. <laughs> I have to tell you, I, you know, I, I really appreciate the, the time off and I, I know that you put in way more work into the show than I put in. If people don't know H is behind the scenes, also doing a lot of the editing and stuff. I just have to be the lackey that, uh, make sure that, uh, <laughs> episodes end up on our website. Occasionally all the cane and rent stuff happens, uh, uh, you know, not, not with my involvement. And so the, i I have to say as much as I, the first week I was like, Oh, I didn't have to pitch a video game this week. What, what a strange feeling. The second week I, I missed, I was like, uh, how's Ryan doing? And then I checked my <laughs> Animal Crossing inbox. <laughs> Animal saw. Crossing mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> and, and saw that you had sent me, not well, that, that's the thing is because like, I know that you don't play the game like daily. Like a lot of people play it daily. Yeah. I knew that, you know, you, take a few days in between every log on so i could really like <laughs> fill your mailbox in that time <laughs> it was why i don't know who's generating all these cardboard boxes for you <laughs> um but you're gonna love this because i didn't reveal this secret to you i waited for today to reveal mm-hmm. it but uh, animal crossing i think has a lot of uh, let's call them user interface issues. There's many things that yes. <laughs> a designer would make a shortcut to or make it so that it's one step instead of, well, in Animal Crossing's case, four steps. <laughs> so the act of just deleting one of these pieces of mail is actually a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I didn't want to delete them. I started going through and deleting them and you crashed my game. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle cardboard. Of, yeah, exactly. Well, I did, I did extract and sell all the cardboard and, and, and made, I think okay. something to the tune of a hundred bucks off of it. But, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it halfway through the select open, uh, del- it's like delete <laughs> or report. It's not just a nice clean delete <laughs> button. And then you have to go down, down. And then I hit delete. And I did that so many times in a row that it just said this game has stopped responding. Had you accidentally reported me once or twice throughout this entire process? <laughs> no, I, I know I was very careful to because it's such a 
report is such a scary option being next to yeah. delete, right? Yeah. It's strange that those two would end up together. Anyway, I do have notes, Nintendo. So if you want to go ahead and give me a call, <laughs> I feel like I could solve all these things in one nice, we'll call it a May update. We'll target a May update and, and fix all these problems for people. Well, you know how good at, at Nintendo is at taking notes. You know, they're, they're always right on the ball to fix things that aren't working right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll say, uh, you know, not too much about existing video games on our show, but uh, that Mario Maker uh, update seems pretty cool. Yeah, you get to make your own worlds. Um, is it just kind of a way of stringing together a load of levels, or is there anything more to it than that? I think it's just stringing together level. Well, there's a little, um, you actually can, like, design the world a little bit, like put in little place markers and uh, little sorts of things around. And I think you could put little bonus stages that get people, uh, you know, the sort of match three star uh, or mushroom or whatever. But if you could do mm-hmm. multi-user collaboration, maybe there's, there could be a playwright world in our future. Yeah. It's just cool. uh, inside references to things like Wiggle and Joe. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always one of the things now that there's so many really good um, game creation tools out there, you know, like uh, dreams and Mario maker and, project spark i suppose yeah um i keep a little calendar of like all of the games that i've beaten and when i've beaten them so i can kind of like at the end of the year look back on my list and understand how much time i've wasted but um (laughs) i don't know what to do if somebody creates like a five world mario maker set of levels like does that qualify as being a game that i have beaten even though it's not a retail product you know i don't know it's a good question. It's a good question. I, I don't know the answer. How, how much work has to go into whatever I constitute a game? Because there have been some that I've played that uh, uh, arguably very little work went into. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's ah. create brand new video games and put zero work into them. Um, let's get to our own video game pitches. You're first today. What do you bring in the show? So I, uh, as you know, have a love for uh, banjo games. I even love Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts from the mm-hmm. Xbox 360. And I was wondering if we could do a game where you have to sort of assemble your own vehicle and then take it on challenges in a multiplayer sort of game of uh, obstacle courses, drift racing, drag racing, uh, maybe even like parking it properly in a series of cones um, and all sorts of vehicle-based challenges. Maybe there's even like a, a, a trials mode where there's a bunch of uh, hills and stuff and you're trying to navigate them with your custom-built vehicle. All right, starting the clock there. I might be putting words in your mouth here, but one of the things that excites me about this is this idea of not knowing what um, what events you'll be participating in. Oh. I'm thinking of like um, Super Smash Bros. for the 3DS had this mode called Smash Run where you go all over this big open map for like five, ten minutes, something like that. And you're collecting all these little power ups that enhance like one of five stats in your character. So, you know, you can up your speed, you can up your your strength, your defense, all these different things. And then at the end of that time, you have to fight a load of other characters that have been similarly enhanced, but there's all sorts of different types of matches you can end up in. So there's like foot races, there's traditional kind of smash bros battles. There's, um, you know, all these different things that each kind of 
benefit from one particular type of enhancement. And so, you know, if you if you didn't level up your your speed at all and you ended up in a foot race, then you would just be like, you know, completely overcome by those who um, who specialized in gathering those stats. And so in that way, it's a little BS, you know, not a lot of ways you can prepare for every eventuality. But I, I like to think in this in this um, type of game where you're building your own vehicle, thinking like a Lego racers or something like that, you can choose to like really heavily specialize and risk a lot on making your car absolutely undefeatable in certain types of matches, just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that they come up. Mm. Or you can uh, try to make a jack of all trades, master of none type of vehicle that does a pretty good job of getting you you know, where you need to be and whatever type of match comes up at the end of this time period. That's kind of interesting. So now you kind of get into like the unpredictability of it. The I do like the idea of using the sort of, I think, I don't know if Halo popularized it, but the, the idea of like a multiplayer playlist mm-hmm. um, and having that playlist essentially be something like, you know, having these rotating series of events. I was also sort of thinking about Maybe there's something interesting to having like classes of race. And so like you would get like in a Forza, there's S class, double S, you know, all of these things. You could make a class based on how many parts you're able to affix to the vehicle potentially or how many pieces you have period to build with. And so you might find some people making like very long, elongated vehicles with uh, Mm very little sort of extras on them or very small sort of tricked out vehicles, but those are technically in the same class because of the the parts that you use. I find that to be more interesting, the kind of like differentials and shape and function rather than just like the power of the engine. You know, Forza Horizon 4, um, I think compared to the previous Horizon games, did a lot to open up the freedom to basically use whatever vehicle you want for whatever race. Whereas the previous games were a little bit more prescriptive in what you can use, kind of narrowing down your selections so that it can balance the races for kind of attempts to allow you to take any car that you want into any race and then try to match you against cars of similar aptitude. But um, I, I think it kind of breaks it up by um, classes, but there are like the cars are like quantitatively better than other cars and so really unless you're using like the top car of the class there's definitely ways to kind of like min max its approach to matchmaking i don't say it matchmaking against you know cpu opponents because i don't really do online racing so i don't know how that ends up working out um (laughs) but uh i'm not that interested in like more powerful engines as much as i am like coming up with better shapes and better sizes and you know, different types of, you know, I'm thinking like battle bots where they have like all these weird designs that, you know, favor, you know, sturdiness in, um, in opposition to like aerodynamics or something like that. Uh, maybe something even like non-motorized would, would be good, like paper airplanes or, I don't know. What are you thinking? That's cool. I, I, I think like one potential thing that's interesting too is maybe, the ability to, I mean, I hate to turn it into a, a combat focus game, but some light, maybe not like actual heavy weaponry, but a little bit more of the um, sort of quirky James Bondy sort of 
oil slick that you can uh, inject and different sorts of obstacles you can create. So you almost get like a Mario Kart, but your car gets like one rechargeable ability uh, potentially. Or maybe you can stack, right? Based on the class, like, oh, C-class can have up to, you know, four different abilities and they are all on cooldown or you have to race well or compete well and whatever the whatever the challenge is in order to sort of get uh, more of the ability but i think the <laughs> the kind of twist of being able to take the mario kart formula and then bring it into physically much more wonky vehicles you almost get like a a gang beats gang beasts meet forza which could be sort of <laughs> fun plus spore i guess is sprinkled in there too I would uh I'd be interested if there were special power-ups that were specifically like optimized for cars that are not not well suited to racing. So like, you know, if you think about Mario Kart like the power-up blocks, um the ones that give you items that you can use as weapons and such, if there was like a really good items in a special colored little um, you know, power box that are like really high up off the ground or two of them really far apart from each other that you have to both like hit both at the same time so it kind of like incentivizes people to make really tall cars or really like mm. wide cars things that might lead to trouble but like if people take that risk then they end up getting the best items in the game that's really cool and what if you did uh in the same way that forza motorsport popular as the like um, well, really, Gran, Gran Turismo popular as the like, hey, I'm going to sit here and race for 30 straight minutes or something in a match. If you do one of these long form matches, maybe as players crash their vehicles, um, their parts scatter out like in a Lego game. And then if you're a player and you drive over, you collect some of the parts um, and then you can choose to during one of these long races go and pit and quickly affix parts to your vehicle. And and maybe that's like, maybe you end up picking up another player's power up if you're lucky, but you could have a match where it starts as all really small cars and then ends up being just like a few gargantuan things that are uh, all racing towards the finish line. Yeah. To pick up parts during the match. I, I bring up this um, a reference a lot. There's a game called Captain Forever Remix that, is a like twin stick space shooter where you fly around this universe and you kind of fix more little blocks of your spaceship to yourself, kind of like, you know, Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts style, but it's like live construction as you're flying around. Yeah. And by the end of it, you end up creating like these big monstrosities of ships and all sorts of weird shapes and directions and everything like that. And so having to kind of adjust on the fly like that during a race, there would have to be some advantage to picking up these blocks. But, you know, maybe it's like if you run out of blocks, then that's how you like forfeit the match essentially. And you're getting, you know, pelted by weapons from the other players and such. Um, and so you're always having to pick stuff up, but then it makes your car lopsided and, and not able to, you know, perform maximally. I played Captain Forever Remix at a game jam and I really loved it um or at some indie showcase and i loved it but i can't believe they kept that font in the thing <laughs> i think it's a cool like narrative narrative font but i i forget the name of the font it's called like 5 a.m or something like that um and i thought geez for buttons and ui this thing kind of is 
it makes it a little all hard to read. Um, anyways, we're just about out of time on that one. Let's go ahead and close it up and give it a name. Hmm. I do like Remix being in there. Do we want to make this a part of the Lego Racer series? <laughs> it would be kind of cool as a Lego Racer series, right? Like, go. It's been a while since we've had one of those games. Um, I've never played one, but I mean, like, it, it putting Lego on it would make it feel good. I also do like the idea of, of in the same way that Microsoft has done Gears Tactics very recently, allowing them to go uh, genre bending a little bit with Forza and have like a Forza Forever remix or something like that. Mm-hmm. Lego, what is it called? What's the Lego Racing series? It's just Lego Racer. Maybe this is Lego Racer Remix. It rolls Lego off Racer the tongue. Remix. I like that. I think that fits pretty well with what we've done here. Um, all right, Lego Racer Remix. All right, in the in the archive. All right. Um, let's go to my pitch now. What I'm bringing in today is a simple idea that uh, it's kind of want to see where it goes. It is a survival horror game. I'm talking like traditional survival horror, you know, fixed camera angles, Resident Evil style, where you have to select either for yourself or for a co-op partner uh, the position of the fixed cameras at the <laughs> beginning of the match, and then they have to play through the level you know with uh whatever you selected for them so we're gonna go ahead and start the clock there so is this like round based where round like i play around and my round is me going around and it's almost imagine resident evil 2 remake uh where full 3d access i can move around the environment and you know somehow maybe i'm a drone or something so i can mm-hmm. move up and down plop myself in a corner or whatever and i'm placing all the the camera angles that way and maybe i can like press a button and check to see what the angle looks like yeah or you can just kind of like fly around and then you know sit yourself somewhere and then you can just press a button and then that drone is stuck in place you know and so whatever you were seeing at the time is what people can see as they come through there (laughs) that's interesting i do like the idea of i like the idea of potentially you being able to create blind spots And so if you don't fully like within your number of drones, let's say it's just a couple rooms, right? Or something. So it feels relatively quick within a couple rooms. If you place your drones in such a way where you create blind spots, then maybe the other player gets some sort of difficulty bonus or difficulty like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) this is extra hard. There's, there's going to be things, maybe you even like purposely leave items just out of view or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's really up to you to choose how cooperative you're going to be or how, you know, difficult you're going to make life for them. But, you know, ideally you'd have to find some way of kind of like incentivizing players to create like a balanced survival horror environment. Perhaps there are things you don't know, like where the zombies are going to spawn in. So you try to kind of like make sure that all corners are are visible and covered and there's not going to be any, you know, hiding places. But uh you know, this, uh, this game, uh, director, if these are randomly generated levels could always find kind of interesting places to spawn the zombies from to catch people by surprise. I like tying the fates together. So really the player who's placing the cameras is, is incentivized by the other person surviving. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe you could even think of it as like a little contained, let's, let's say it's just like three, three rooms all connected by a hallway of the police station from Resident Evil. Now you get into a situation where 
depending on the level or whatever, player one is like, okay, you're going to get five drone placements for this thing or five camera placements. You place them all, you try and get the best coverage that you can. And then you, it would force you potentially just to be economical to have to deal with those really long shots that you would get sometimes of like, I'm at the end of the hallway and I'm just an ant because there's not a second camera uh, placed down there. So what would be like a way of incentivizing or disincentivizing players to kind of like do a good job for the other person? I think if you make, if you make player one and player two get a shared score, right? So it's a co-op team. One player places the cameras. The other person has to survive um, maybe a set number of waves. And maybe you determine how many waves you want to do together. This is kind of a fun, like match-based co-op game now. And now you, now I think what would be cool is while the match is going on, the other player or you, you who initially placed the cameras, maybe you go into now like an operator mode where you could actually look at the feeds of all the cameras and you're on voice chat mm. with the second player and you're like, yeah. Oh, there's zombies coming in and you know, down the hall. That's a good idea. It might also be interesting if there were kind of two teams of two. So one person is playing this operator, the other person's playing the, you know, the survivor trying to navigate these worlds. Then the opposing team is the one who's setting where the zombies are going to spawn. And then another you know, the kind of the operator on that side. And then another player on that team is like, like a big hulking brutish enemy, the, the nemesis or the Mr. X or something that, <laughs> you know, you really don't want to run into, um, yeah. who has some limitations, but can really wreck shop and, and kind of force players to act quickly in ways that, you know, aren't conducive to being careful. Maybe. I do like the idea of, yet a third person being the Mr. X. The second director is tripping me up a little bit. I, they're, they're setting spawn points for zombies, you said? Yeah, so was there something like that in Left 4 Dead 2 where like one person could choose where the zombies are going to spawn from? I don't remember. I do know that Left 4 Dead like called its uh, difficulty ramp up and ramp down technology like the director or whatever yeah yeah i'm just trying to think because i, I do like the idea where like, you can kind of like set where the enemies are going to come from trying to trip up other players have you played the game dungeon defenders i haven't no it's it's almost seems a little bit like dungeon defenders where it that's almost a tower defense game like bad guys spill out of certain points but as the difficulty goes up there's new and more points that they sort of spawn in from you could do something like that and then occasionally have the... I do like the idea of maybe the person, if you don't do a Mr. X thing, you could do a... That person can take control over any of the zombies that are sort of spawned in. Um, so if they know about a particular place, they can like position some zombies to like sit and wait at a thing and then almost like sports game style switch away from them and then go give a new zombie another set of commands. Let's see. So... Uh, gosh, I know that there have been games where somebody is playing more of kind of a uh, a foil, um, but like an omnipotent foil in a way. Somebody who's like spawning in enemies, uh, whether it's from like an Orcs Must Die or that Fable game. Did that Fable game ever come out? The one that was like, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, oh, no. Fable Heroes, was it? No, or yes, and oh my God, it did. I can't believe it. Um 
Yeah, and I don't think it ever came out. It was in beta, and then I think it never happened. Okay. I do like the idea if if maybe if you also do a, a second director, a second pair of two, maybe the director and the other team can, like, spring traps. Yeah, sure. Or, or something like that, so you kind of have this, like, real-time... And the traps could even accidentally hit their Mr. X counterpart. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you would really have to, like, really balance the Mr. X thing, because they're... He could either be comically easy yeah. to deal with or like really a horrible nuisance. Yeah, I'd want somebody who's like, you can pretty consistently handle him, but you have to do a lot of like, you can't just like plant your feet and start shooting. You know, you have to do some strafing. And yeah, I just want him to kind of like push people into traps rather than necessarily like he can right. sneak up on people. Sure. But like his biggest thing is just like being a motivating factor to get people to start moving. Maybe you even do a little, just a little safe closet or something in the thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. somebody can like tuck themselves away. Although no safe rooms in uh resident evil three from what I've heard. Oh, is that true? Oh my God. I mean, I suppose you could do something akin to the like call of duty zombies, uh, slash very popular zombie multiplayer, fiction uh, trope where in between rounds if it is round based then uh, the player who's on the ground can uh, board things up and maybe the player who's monitoring on the camera can do uh, apex style pings that sort of uh, is you just ping something and it automatically calls out zombie here or uh, item like weapon spawn here or something like that and uh, if one if you ping correctly and you call out things and you get money and when the other person survives and kills people they get money and then you pool the money together to buy things like boards to board up windows and and fortify yourself before the next round begins perhaps it's technically possible to destroy one of the cameras so you can uh maybe it's like really difficult to maybe there's like one monitor feed that shows like where the cameras are or maybe it's kind of like a screen sheet type of thing where you have to like look at the opponent's screen somehow and try to like reverse engineer where the camera is planted but you could find a way to like you know it wouldn't be visible by just like looking at it but then that's one thing that that kind of mr x player can do is to try to destroy the cameras and and create these blind spots for the player that's cool and so you could either do mr x and or even like spawn in not just let's do the full resident evil spade of things we'll spawn in some zombie birds or crows or whatever and uh and they things can attack the camera and if you attack the camera there's like a you know, 30 second respawn timer or some respawn timer mm-hmm. before you can deploy a new drone and set it at a new place. So maybe you find out even once you get into the match, like, oh, that placement wasn't good. You can you can destroy the camera for me so I can reposition it and get it into another place for you. So you can kind of coordinate and, and make it a co-op experience, just a placement to the camera. All right. Uh, let's call that one there and let's give it a name. I was kind of thinking, I don't know if there's anything to this, like relative evil. (laughs) I was also thinking about uh, (laughs) something that played with the the placement of resident. Um, Relevant evil. (laughs) Relative, like because everything is relative relative to the, the cameras. That's funny. I like relative evil. I can't remember even what my second, my second thing was going to be. It was going to be something with like resident director or something like that uh but that that doesn't quite have any ring to it. i don't remember what i was <laughs> going to say 
relative evil. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. All right. Add it to the archives. This is the new quote now. We say add it to Let's the archives. Throw it in the archives. We'll have to find some fun way to uh to label that. I was like um the the bugle podcast um at the end of their just kind of mess around segment at the beginning they always say that's another one in the bin and <laughs> i like that as well you know it's like throw yeah. it straight into the garbage so f- physicality to to where these things actually end up mm-hmm. all right let's go to our community now all right well let's go to one from an actual listener this comes from robert lee who says g'day ryan's So I'll admit that this idea is actually just a title. I thought it might be fun to start with that and work backwards. A Chinese food themed brawler called Wonton Destruction. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. As two white men, we feel. Yeah, we have to not make this a horrible stereotypical. We're walking on egg rolls here. So. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. All right, let's start the pod. Let's keep going. Thank you, everybody. We're back, and that was the last episode <laughs> of the show. Um, okay. Uh, uh, wanton, or as I originally read it, wanton. You know, it's uh, oh a, yeah, sure, a sure. placeholder <laughs> for wanton destruction. One thing I'm thinking about is the game Arms. You have that character who's Noodle like arms. literally made of noodles or something. Ramen. Yeah, Captain Ramen or whatever. Ramen was, girl. Uh, there's something uh, I don't remember name. I should probably. <laughs> She's kind of like the most likely pick for Smash Bros. Next, yeah. since we know that the next Smash Bros. Fighter is going to come from Arms, and she was like one of the more popular ones. And anyways, I like Arms. I'm I'm happy that we'll get some representation. But anyways, uh, so yeah, they had this uh this noodle themed fighter who fights in what they call the Noodle Bowl, which is like a a uh, stadium that is like formed like a giant bowl of noodles in a way. So that perspective where you can like use the noodles to like, you know, reach out like arms and smack things. But I was, I guess I kind of like associate noodles, noodles with more of like Japanese food, I guess. I it, It's funny that I, this actually made me go straight to a, a either a launch or a near launch game for, the Nintendo Switch Sushi Striker Way of the Sushido, mm. which is kind of not quite a match three game, but it is about like making quick matches and uh, sort of <laughs> plating them, I guess is the only word that I can think of, uh, adding them up and then like having big combos is actually like attacking uh, an opponent that's on the other side of the screen. So I wonder if there's like a something that has to do with Chinese food that makes this like a a puzzle fighter sort of feel to it potentially. There's also the direction. Are you aware of the song called Chinese food? I think that's what it was called. Um, is this the Rebecca black song? Yeah. Chinese food? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like a really, uh, it's by the same like company that exploits young women to make terrible songs that the internet will like bury them in shame, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they get some YouTube views along the way. And so they basically like, I don't know, they got this young girl to sing about how much she loves Chinese food in oh, yeah. a way that like any adult could have probably called as being like, that's a bit racist. Let's not go there. <laughs> but since they're just looking for clicks, you know, there were no breaks put on. Um, so we could always be characters from that video. I don't want people to other, miss out but... on the content. It's not. It's not Rebecca Black. It's Allison Gold's. Right. Chinese it's just like food. the same, you know, video music video factory that ended up. You know, they both subscribed to. 
I was thinking so, also, you know, you had this experience tonight of being overcome by spice. Spice. That's yes. a good combat combative tool that uh, I feel like there's some way we can work this into it. If, if we're flinging dishes at the other person, if we have ways of like increasing the spiciness or, you know, determining spice levels and or maybe different ingredients pair together maybe you have like a maybe you have like several rows of ingredients all kind of like on uh on different um moving platforms going in opposite directions you kind of like fling a plate and whatever ingredients it picks up along the way it deposits into the user on the other end so you can bounce Uh. it off the walls you can go straight down the middle and so you know if you try to stack ingredients like of a certain type then they'll have like multiplicity effects and i I like the idea too of treating the spice level almost as uh like a sekiro posture meter or something (laughs) like that because that's Uh what happened to me is i had a couple bites i was like ah this is spicy i could probably take it but a few more bites in like it totally broke my posture (laughs) and i wasn't i was uh overcome with somebody says like i can't actually the the plate is still downstairs i was like i can't finish this i'm gonna go do a podcast so uh maybe there's like as you match these things or as you serve up these different dish elements to an opponent you're sort of trying to you're trying to like bring up their spice level maybe you have to like Maybe you have like greens and vegetables and stuff, meats and sauces, and you're you have to eat some combination of them in some order, but each one is only on your plate for this is a really complicated thing I'm trying to explain. I don't know if I'm doing a good job. So okay, let's say you have a meat, a sauce, a vegetable, and a carb. Four that's four things. Mm-hmm. Each one of them, let's say, has something like a 10-second timer countdown on it. But it takes you three seconds to eat uh, any one over three and a half seconds to eat any one thing. So there's always going to be one thing that you're not able to eat uh, or that you can kind of leave out. But the stuff that's being served up to you is being served by the other player who is trying to get you to have to eat a spicy thing. Okay. So you're you're basically you're choosing from a whole menu of things and you're trying to like get the person to eat spicy things, but not all your stuff is spicy. And obviously they're trying not to eat spicy things. So you were trying to balance what they're going to eat and you're going to try and catch them with being able to have nothing left except for the spicy thing to eat before you can like build up their spicy meter and, and break their posture and defeat them. Oh, interesting. So are you kind of like stealing food from the opponent? Cause I know another thing about like Chinese food is that like, it's often served family style. So oh, if you yeah. choose to eat something, then technically that's something that the opponent can't eat, I guess. That's interesting. Right. So anytime you take a bite of something, it always like puts that food on a cool down or something. So you're, what you're saying there is like, I am trying to also eat the non-spicy stuff, but we're both going to start going after different dishes that are not spicy until eventually we're forced to like ingest something that's spicy i imagine and that's almost yeah, well, like maybe like spiciness first. is on like a cool down maybe there's like a it's like a milk level like the amount of milk that you have left to kind of like cool down the palate a little bit um <laughs> yeah but maybe it like kind of gradually decreases over time and so you might choose to like eat the spicy stuff early 
or you might choose to try to like avoid the spicy stuff and hoping uh, in hopes of like pushing more of it towards the opponent, knowing that, you know, if the spicy stuff all stacks towards the end, then you can be out of the game pretty quickly. Oh, right. Because dishes could potentially run out, right? <laughs> I like that this is almost like, in a way, it's this nouveau take on hungry, hungry hippos where you're like trying to eat as much as possible, but not not the bad stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know that two things that counteract um, uh, spice, people people always go for milk, but two major things that counteract spice is acid and sugar. So, oh, interesting. Okay. So maybe there's some, maybe like, I, cause I, I'm, I'm having trouble imagining like a milk thing ending up on a Chinese food bike, but maybe my Chinese food knowledge is not uh, as deep as it no, could be. I mean, I, I guess just like, as a as a people as a whole, I mean, obviously this will vary from person to person, but like the Chinese tend to have less like I don't want to call it resistance, but like tolerance towards lactose. Like they tend to be more lactose intolerant than oh. people from other cultures. So you don't see a lot of like milk and cheese and stuff in Chinese cooking, just because like there's certain um, genes or I, I again I don't have all the terminology, but like it's just. It's more common for them to be lactose intolerant. That's interesting. So one of the things that, that could be cool there is the um, you could like, in addition to having to having to eat the food, you could have like a little um, sauce packet and like your sauce packets are always um, you just have random ones that are served up to you. So it's almost like blocks of Tetris. You don't quite know which mm-hmm. one you're going to get and whatever you're about to eat just gets like you can press the sauce button or it automatically gets whatever sauce is served up just on it. So if you end up like trying to come down to putting the spicy stuff off, you might have to eat a spicy thing and have like the spicy mustard put on it. So, uh, so you don't want to like leave it to chance. You want to like potentially go for a spicy food when you have a sauce that could be salty or sweet and help counteract it. Interesting. Well, let's, uh, let's close that down and let's come up with the name for it. Oh man. So there's a I was well, thinking it, it of came with a name. Spice didn't it? World. Is that the name of the movie or is that the PlayStation <laughs> 1 game? Uh or the name of the uh Softcore TV channel. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, back in the day, the Spice Channel was the name <laughs> of the uh the late night Softcore um uh. uh premium cable channel, let's call it that. Okay. Which is actually hilarious if they go spice show um i i mean wonton destruction is pretty good but it, it oh yeah that's true we did come in <laughs> with a name specifically so let's i guess well let's not okay. broke let's not <laughs> fix what's not broken is it, it could we soften it a little bit or something i feel like it's i maybe it's all in the box art is how tastefully <laughs> this thing gets executed yeah we'll have to uh um know you know grotesque caricatures <laughs> wanton I can see destruction this way. colon a classy uh game about eating delicious Adventure in cuisine ah. of the highest esteem oh man highest esteem is is pretty good too something like there's a rice thing in there anyway wanton <laughs> destruction is fine. esteemed rice <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> highest esteemed rice I love it. You can do the little crispy wonton strips too. That's like your super move. Cool. Cool. So thank you very much, Robert Lee, for sending that one in. Um, always appreciate, uh, as we say, 
ideas that are as fully formed as you want, or just a title is fine, or just, you know, blank meets blank, whatever, we'll go for it. And if you have an idea as fully formed or as fledgling as you would like, you can send that into the show to be discussed, dissected, and put back together into something that you may or may not like <laughs> by emailing us playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And hey, while you're socially distancing, why don't you put some headphones in while you're going to the grocery store and blocking out all the insanity that's happening around you and listen to podcasts like the Canaan Rinse podcast, the Sausage Factory and Sound of Play. Sound of Play is probably really good for a good grocery store session. I'm 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 not efficient as I make my way through the aisle, so I need at least an hour of of video game music to keep me going. All right, and to take us out of the show, why don't you give us a miniature pitch? My miniature pitch this week is actually some side project that I've been noodling around for a little bit, which is a website where you can see how good a game is over time. Uh, so like ratings of a track? It's it's almost, yeah, exactly. People can come in, they can say it's good or it isn't good right now. And you would see almost like a stock market ticker over time. Oh, like, interesting. hey, okay. Animal Crossing is currently good. The Hey, during Easter, it got a little bit bad. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, then we'll uh, we'll see y'all next week. Bye.